Okay, we're here in the studio uh, doing my story, and this week we have a very young fellow. His name is Carl Dienick. Is that how you say it? That's how you say it. And he is 31. Wait, you look 21 to me. What is it? All of you, Lane, or something? What's going on? It's all of you, Lane. That's, yeah. that's the secret to my youth. Absolutely. And a bit of God in there as well. Mostly God. Yeah, that's right. People saying, who's Carl Dienick? Never heard of him. Get on down to the branch. No, not down at the orchard, the branch at Innocent Street in Kings Meadows, behind the bowling alley there, and he's the pastor there, is that correct? That's that's right. And how long have you been there for? Only three months. Three months? Yeah, just starting out. Now, I just got to head off with a story. I went there last week and done a bit of a talk at the branch. They are invited out there to tell us what WayFM, how awesome we are here, and how much we're doing God's grace and God's glory through the radio and this young fella, Carl, didn't know who he was, just come up to me, had a bowl in his hand. He said, oh, day, I'm Carl with a K. Oh, okay, I'm Stephen with a V. Yeah, okay. And he said, oh, and Carl says, oh, I'm the pastor. Oh, I said, all right, excellent, excellent. And uh, then he said, um, yeah, and I asked him, uh, so who's the senior pastor? And uh, Carl said, uh, me. And I said to the congregation then, and man, if we have a guy like this doing God's work who just looks like the rest of us, man, the branch is on fire. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. Yeah, the branch is on fire for the Holy Spirit. Um, Carl, where were you born? I was born in uh, Penrith, actually, just uh, near the Blue Mountains, and I grew up around there. Now, um, born and in there, and uh, mum and dad and, and brothers and sisters? Yeah, got an older brother and two older sisters. Yeah. So You're the baby. I'm the baby. <laughs> baby <laughs> of the family. And your mum and dad, are they still together? Yep, they are. Where are they? They're uh, up in Wollongong, actually. Now, which primary school did you go to, Carl? Oh, I went to uh, a primary school called John Wycliffe Christian School. Yeah? Yeah, that was up in the Blue Mountains. So you went to a Christian school, so obviously your parents are Christian, all your family are Christian, they went to the same school? Yeah, well, uh, actually, I only, only was at John Wycliffe for two years. Right. And uh, after that, I went to a place called Covenant Christian School. That's where my father was the principal. And so primary school was good? Primary school was good, yeah. Was God taught there? Obviously, being a Christian school was fairly well full on. Yeah, they were pretty keen on that, uh, you know, Bible-based and yep. and uh, teaching people about Jesus. And mm. Mm. So. How did you handle that yeah. at that age? It was, uh, I guess, it, that was what I was used to. I mean, that's mm. what it was like in the family. That's what mm. it was like at home. Mm. Like, like it was all over you when you were born, basically. Yeah, that's right. Well, both my grandfathers were ministers. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, I guess that was just that's just the heritage, isn't it? <laughs> it's in your gene, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. But really, it's more than a gene; it's a calling, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. There in primary school, where did you go to high school? Uh, same place, Covenant Christian School. Yeah. Oh, okay. All the, through all through to grade twelve. Yep, absolutely. All right. What and uh, in grade twelve, what were your aims? What did you want to do when you left school? I wanted to be uh, a naval submariner. Actually. Oh, nice work. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That'd be a very good career. Yeah, yeah, a bit, bit uh, confined spaces. But, yes, uh, be on good money. Yeah, that's right. Travel around the world. Yes, yeah, so awesome. Yeah, awesome. And uh, you left left grade twelve, and uh, what happened after that? Instead of going to the navy, I uh, studied at Sydney University. Right. And uh, why? Why? Because yeah. oh, I liked computing, and oh. uh, they offered a computing course there. Right. With a little, little bit of electronics. Yeah, so I started computing. Uh, my, my dad had gone to Sydney Uni. My, uh, one of my sisters had gone there. My brother had gone there. So I kind of went there. Uh, but halfway through, I changed to electrical engineering and, uh, yeah, t- and telecommunications and stuff like that. Oof, so nice. Pretty hardcore. Yes. And I loved it. Oh. I loved it. Uh, yes. Did you qualify? I did. I finished that. Yeah. Right. 
and I went on to work uh, as an engineer as well. So Right, so you're a tradie pastor. <laughs> well, yeah, except they used to call me impractical when I was at university because uh, I could do the maths, but that's about it. <laughs> impractical. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So was that a down or what? Well, you know, I kind of, I kind of relished it. <laughs> Because I, lo- I just love the maths too much. That's yeah, it. you just sucked it all in, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. And so electrical engineers, and what happened after that? So, yes, I worked for four years as, as an engineer, and then yeah. uh, that's when I went to Bible college. So. Oh, well, well, yeah, back it up there. So <laughs> I don't find a connection here. You went to electrical engineer, yep. and then you went to Bible college. Now, why was this a what, – what happened? Tell me. Well, uh, when I was in Canberra, I was, I was in a church there, and the pastor there invited me to go to a, uh, a conference – uh, on preaching, yep. and I sort of thought, oh, yeah, I've done a lot of public speaking and stuff, I guess, when I was at school. I oh, sort of man. thought, oh, maybe that's a way I can serve the, the church just while I'm an engineer, you right. know, preaching here and there. Yeah. So this guy's obviously checked you out and seen you and yeah. heard you and wanted to encourage you in this direction. Yeah, that's right. And so he invited me, I went along, and I guess to cut a long story short, after that, I wrote a sermon, you know, he kind of worked uh, on it with me, and yeah, I just preached the sermon and you know, just keep why you was doing why you was doing electrical engineering? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. so for about three years I was working, and then you know just preaching here and there, and I'd visit other churches and uh, and preach and stuff like that. So how do the uh, how do the people respond to your preaching while you was electrical engineer? Yeah, I was very encouraged actually. Yeah. Uh, people were, were very positive, uh, and I guess that made me think more seriously about what exactly it was that God wanted me to do, right? Uh, and whether engineering was the place mm. uh, that I should stay. Because I loved engineering, mm. uh, but more and more, I guess I started to love ministry mm. uh, and not just preaching. Um, so obviously, you had a love for people, then, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. A, a friend of mine uh, once said, "To love preaching is to love yourself." You know, but uh, but to love people—that's what God calls us to. Mm. We're doing electrical engineering and doing pastoral work, yep. and then doing you know getting really good positive feedback from yeah. all your all your preaching, and then you went to Bible school. Yeah, what was the process to from engineering? Lay preaching, Bible school. How did you get there? More and more the uh, the church, like the leadership in the church was saying, you know, we think maybe you should go to Bible college. And I was thinking more and more, maybe I should go to Bible college. Right. And uh, that, that sense, I guess, in, in both of us just kept growing. Eventually I said, I, I think I, I think I want to go. And I sat down with the church leadership and we, we talked through that and they asked me why I wanted to go. Uh, and I guess really the answer that I gave them was that, um, you know, the parable, uh, Jesus' parable of the talents had really come, come home to me. Jesus said, you know, one day he's going to come back and he's going to ask us what we've done with the things that he's given to us, you know, and have we used those things faithfully or have we not? Uh, and I felt really convicted that for me to use the gifts that God's given me meant to go to Bible college, meant to go into ministry and to leave engineering for another time, I guess. How long was you there for? Uh, that was four and a half years. Yeah. On campus. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Okay. How how was that study for you? Did you breeze through it or was it a bit of a struggle? Oh, it's hard work. Yeah. yeah. I think it's hard because uh, you're dealing with the truth. You know, you don't feel like you can just hand it an essay uh, that, you know, that's kind of halfway there. You you, you want to get it right because mm. it's the, the truth about God. Mm. So, yeah, that was difficult. But mm. I, I guess academically, you know, I, I'd studied engineering. I was used to studying and all that kind of thing. So mm. it wasn't as taxing maybe as it was for other guys who'd come Mm. Uh, from you know, from other backgrounds. What was your passion through that time? What was your your real passion when you're going through college? That's a really good question. I think you know, if I was, if I was to put my finger on one thing, it would be the Book of Hebrews. I I just had a love affair with uh, 
with the book of Hebrews. It started off in dark times, ironically, but uh, that set me on a, on a journey of just w- really wanting to tear the book apart and understand it and, mm-hmm. uh, and really come to grips with what, what God was saying there. Mm. Now, did you talk about dark times? Did you have any dark times between primary school and theological college? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the darkest times was, was in the year just before I went Right. To theological college, yeah. uh, I guess you know. Looking back, you see it as a time of real spiritual warfare, mm. uh, and even at the time, I think it, it seemed like that. But I guess, yeah, for for various reasons, the warnings uh, in Hebrews came home to me. I don't know if you know those warning passages about. No, not quite aware. Uh, it's it's impossible. Hebrews chapter six. It's impossible for those who've been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, if they if they fall away to come again to repentance, uh, because they're crucifying the Son of Man all over again. And subjecting him to public disgrace, and and that's you know probably one of the most serious warnings in the New Testament, if not the whole Bible, mm. and uh, and that really shook me at my, my foundations. I felt thoroughly convicted that uh, that's what I'd done that I'd, I'd held up the Son of Man to public disgrace, and and uh, you know turned away from God at one point in my life, and uh, and yeah, so it was a, it was a very dark place, mm-hmm. sleepless nights, mm. anxiety, tears, but lots of reading the Bible. Uh, and that that darkness, I guess, lasted for about eighteen months. Wow! Yeah. From the, about a year before I went to Bible college to about six months after. Yeah. You was in the darkness while you was at the yeah. right? Yeah. And how did you? How did oh, you or God pull yourself out of that? It was really it was really God's God's uh, pulling me out of it, I guess, because yeah. uh, I suppose all the way through it, you know, things just just kept happening. Like I said, when I was in Canberra, I was I was preaching, uh, and it was almost as though I was preaching ahead of my struggles. So. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd come up on this, I'd discover this text in the Bible, I'd write a sermon on it, and I wouldn't kind of understand the full implications of it almost until after I preached. And I suddenly realized that it applied perfectly to my situation and that, you know, it was the perfect remedy to what I was going through. But there's lots of other things. One time I went to visit my sister's church. There above the, uh, above the stage, above the pulpit, were the words of Jesus after he predicts Peter's denial where he says, I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Uh, and I just remember that being such a tremendous encouragement. And I went home and I looked it up, and, and, the, and the words after that are, and when you've turned, strengthen your brothers. And that really, I guess, spurred me on mm. you know, into ministry even more mm. because I, I saw that on the other side of this darkness, on the other side of this, this difficulty and struggle, there was an opportunity to use that to, to strengthen uh, the brothers. And it's amazing if you read the end of, I think it's the end of 1 Peter, and chapter five, Peter Peter uses that experience and he warns people, you know, look out for the for the devil. He's like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Mm. Uh, and so that I guess that really bolstered me. And um, through your um, primary school, high school, in theological college, when mm. did Christ become your saviour? I guess that's a really hard question for me to answer. Okay, yeah, there was no light and bolting or be. Big dark moment and pulled you out, and then you saw Christ. No, it's uh, it, it, it's interesting. Um, I guess at the time when I was going through that through that tremendous struggle, you know, I I thought uh, at various points in there that you know maybe that was a, the first time that I'd uh, I become a Christian. But you know, as I look back now with with kind of hindsight, and I look at the things that happened in my life before that, there are already marks of uh, of knowing God and, and and trusting in Christ and and of God's work in my life even before that. Now it's interesting, you know, John Wesley, the famous evangelist from the 1700s, you know, had this amazing experience uh, at Aldersgate Street on the 24th of May, and a few days after that, he said, you know, I've become a Christian for the first time, and he said that publicly and. But, but later on, as he went back over his, his uh, journals, 
Uh, he wrote in the margin, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I see the mark, marks of God working in my life before that. You know, and I've often thought it's a bit like that. That uh, at the time I thought, wow, God's doing an amazing thing. But uh, but yeah, he was already at work, I think, much earlier than that. Yeah. Mm, so God hasn't finished with you yet, has he? He hasn't finished with me yet, yeah. No, no he's only, you're only 31 years of age. You come through theological college, you graduated, everything was awesome. Yep. What were, what were you qualified as then? Qualified as not much, really. I just had a, uh, another bachelor's degree in theology. Another, another letter after your name. Another letter after my name, yeah. Uh, after that. The, the the process for the, uh, the the churches that I was interested in ministering in was to, to have a year uh, working in a church under another minister. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like a I guess an on-the-job training year mm, after. An apprentice. Yeah, an apprenticeship year, yeah. Mm, mm. So where did you go then? Uh, I went to Olverston. So it was Olverston with another preacher there. And what was his name, the preacher? Uh, Peter Chewett. Chewett, and how did it all go? Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah wonderful year. People liked you? Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, I was very encouraged by the people there. Okay. When did women come on? Is there, like, is there, are you married? I'm not married, no. And you're not? No. Any, 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 any women that God has put in your path at the moment? No, no. I, no? I guess uh, for a while I've been sort of pretty committed to singleness in ministry. Yes. Yeah. Well, there was a powerful thing on that, I can tell you now. There's a lady at our church. She's single, of course. That's the way God wants her to be to her ministry. Yeah. Yeah, so, Okay. So you there? How long were you at Alston for? Uh, I was there for a year. Okay, then why do you only stay a year for? Uh, that's how long the, the the term of the the apprenticeship was. Okay, then were you off your P's and on the full license after that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, at the end of that year, sort of, I uh, had a, had uh, kind of discussions with with a senior ministers in the, in the denomination. They said, "Yeah, we think you're." you know, suitable for ministry. Yep. And uh, I guess then it was a matter of churches around the place saying, yeah, we're, you know, we're interested in, in having you to come a minister. Okay. So yeah. which which hand did you take? I took uh, the hand of the branch. The branch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, they've been around uh, for as a church for about, I think, 10 or 15 years. Mm. I'm still new, so I'm still getting the history down, Pat. Mm. But, uh, but the, yeah, the building is only relatively new. And you've been there three months? Yes, that's right. Yep. How's, it, how's it all going? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, such a tremendous uh, welcome, uh, a lot of love and, and kindness. Yes. So that's uh, uh, very encouraging. A lot yes. of enthusiasm for ministry and mm. for mission work. And mm. uh, So you've been there three months, and how long are you going to be at the branch? 50, 60 years, I reckon. 50, 60, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they try to do a Spurgeon or something. No, I don't have know. a dozen kids yeah. Yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Really? Is that... No, I, I don't Usually know. they turn over. No, they'll, they'll, they're, they're having a heart attack while they're listening to this, yeah. <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually, for life. usually churches turn over their ministers every four years or so, don't they? Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, it's an open-ended kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll see how it goes mm. and uh, how long God can use me here. And mm. We're talking of, to our Carl Dernick. He's the pastor at the branch and in Street Kings Meadows behind the bowling alley there. Now, Carl... Where do you think God is leading you from 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 today from for the next couple of years? Any insight? Yeah, I, I guess uh, I guess there's a few things I feel really really passionately about. Yes, one right. is uh, you know preaching the gospel. Yeah, you know, and just making that as clear you know and as powerful I guess mm. uh, as is humanly possible, mm. and and doing that from all parts of the Bible. You know, I mean, what I love is that God's given us 66 books. You know, of this rich diversity. Uh, at the moment at the branch, we're going through a series uh, in Leviticus. Yep. 
And uh, that's the first time I've done anything on Leviticus, and it's the first time a lot of people have heard Leviticus. But Oof. we're just discovering, you know, that this book is is uh, a really tangible, really visual way of, mm. of getting a hold of the gospel. I can't even spell Leviticus. I can't even say it. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's really exciting. So you've got a yeah. passion for that. Yeah. Right. And I guess beyond that, you know, I also, I also do a little bit of study on the side uh, at a master's level, which is maybe a little bit geeky. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to work out how, uh, how the gospel works out in the Old Testament. What I discovered when I was at university was there's a whole lot of people kind of, you know, from the scientific community who have a, a view of the world, you know, which totally excludes God, obviously, in Christianity. There are lots of scientists who, who don't have that as well. But, yeah, I still have a real passion and would love one day to, to really a ministry to, to uh, you know, like scientific community kind of people, you know. Okay. More to life than staring at a computer all day. Yeah, it? that's right. Mm. But they have, a, they have this worldview that doesn't allow for, for God, you know, mm. and, and so coming, up ways, coming up with ways of addressing that mm. uh, and I guess deconstructing that view of the world before you can give them the gospel. Mm, because all the scientists have all the, all the Big Bang Theory and, that, and yeah. that's how it all happened and uh, yeah. God's, who's that? Yeah. Mm. And people operate with this kind of uh, model of, you know, people often say things, well, if, if, if God is real, you know, give me proof. You mm. know, the, the model of proof that they're operating with is kind of a, a mathematical kind of mm. proof, mm. which, which in, in real life you can't operate under that kind no. of, you know, we, we live in a world where we, we work mainly with, with kind of evidentiary proof, you know. Mm. My friend says to me, I crashed the car. You believe him because he told you. Mm. You can't make a mathematical proof of that. No, um, it, it depends on on evidence. But the but the scientific person cannot lie or cannot believe that Jesus was on Earth because that is a scientific fact. Yeah, Jesus did walk on this Earth. That is something that is proven, and they know that. Well, historically speaking, yeah, yes, it's proven absolutely. Yeah, that's right. They just haven't joined the dots. Yeah. So hopefully one day you'll join all up and uh, save the world. Yeah, that's right. Uh, with God's strength as... <laughs> and the Spirit. Yes, and a whole army of Christians behind you. Yeah, that's right. I've been talking to Carl Ardenick. He's a 31-year-old pastor at the Brants. The Brants is the um, Innocent Street in Kings Meadows behind the bowling alley. Well, Carl, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed talking to you. And um, you keep on preaching the word like I know you have and keep your passions a passion. Thanks very much, Steve. Pleasure to be here. Beautiful. Wow.